welcome to the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. I'm your host, Lupna. Uh, the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast is a weekly podcast where we give you insight into the personality of successful sushi adoring entrepreneurs, showing you that success is all about having fun in and with your business without the hustle and the grinding. My guest today is Carly Myers. Carly is an expert at helping professionals who feel overworked, overwhelmed, or on the verge of burnout. Relieve stress so they can find more joy at work, one of my favorites, home and beyond. As the founder of the Stressless Company, she has helped hundreds of professionals across the United States to take action to reduce stress through her coaching. She believes there is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to managing stress. Carly, a diplomat of the American Institute of Stress, um, has had her work most recently featured in several media outlets such as The Parade or Parade, Good Day Philadelphia, Fox 29, The Philadelphia Inquirer, Philly Mag, and Wooly Magazine. Carly, welcome! Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. <laughs> it's awesome to have you. Always, always, always a pleasure to meet another sushi adoring entrepreneur. So for those listening that have absolutely no idea who Carly is, who are you? Oh my gosh. So who am I? I feel like I am the type of person that you would probably catch dancing in the kitchen in my socks and underwear sliding on the floor, being the crazy, crazy person. I am the type of person that at the same time, you might catch it, catch me knitting in my big old sweater. Um, and I'm the type of person that, um, that loves nature and, and loves to, uh, be outside even in my little urban garden here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I love that. Well, uh, welcome. I'm, I'm, if I'm not called the action accelerator, I'm also called the crazy idea lady. So welcome fellow crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So let's get this party started with the most important question on this podcast, which is what's your favorite sushi? <laughs> spicy salmon, but it must have cucumber and avocado and that spicy mayo all the way. Ooh, salmon, avocado, sushi in a roll, in a hand roll, or in a roll, hands down, no question in my mind. <laughs> Ooh, and when was the last time you had this sushi? Oh my gosh, literally less than forty-eight hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can, I can beat you. I had it yesterday evening. Oh man. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. What? How did you come to? enjoy sushi? Where did it all start for you? Oh my gosh. You know, I'm a new sushi person. I was literally for the longest time, I grew up in a rural area where sushi was not readily available. And I finally moved to the big city and I made it the whole way till about 23, I think 24 years old before I ended up at a networking lunch where the only option was sushi. And I had to hand the menu to my friend next to me and be like, can you please translate this menu? Because I have no idea what's the difference between rolls, what's the difference between this and that and that. And 
I left that first meeting, that first event with a love that I cannot turn away anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I so love that. And you know what? Every, apparently every person, every guest that we've had on this podcast until now has been introduced to sushi at a later age. So it wasn't from youth. Uh, And same, same goes for me, by the way. Really? I'm like, how could that be? It's such a delicious staple. (laughs) Yeah. But to be honest, I mean, uh, here in the Netherlands, it was very long. It took quite a few years before the first sushi restaurant started popping up. Uh, And most of them uh, in the Netherlands, when you eat fish, it's usually baked or grilled. So the idea of raw fish for a lot of people, it took a while to get introduced in the country. Um, and, and, and then it became mainstream relatively quickly. And then all people started like, oh, don't, you, don't you eat sushi? We've got several sushi chains here in the Netherlands uh, that also have uh, restaurants worldwide. So I, I guess it's very... The generation that's growing up now, because things, why, why are you messing about? I mean, I've been eating sushi since <laughs> I was young. I mean, my three-year-old niece loves her California roll and her one-year-old sister is, is, a, is a sushi-adoring person just like me. I mean, and she's one. Start them early. Oh my gosh. I feel like that's the same though. For me, I had, um, I had, I have to be honest, I had a traumatic um, experience with, um, with, I think it was Chinese food when I was a kid. And that was like the closest we were going to get to sushi in my rural area. And uh, the traumatic experience was that I actually, you know, the plate was sat down in front of me. I ate a few bites. And then after those few bites, I looked up for some reason. I think someone said something to me. And I looked back down at my plate and a literal inchworm was crawling across my plate. (laughs) Yes. So needless to say, I wasn't exactly uh, interested in exploring for quite some time after having potentially ate that inchworm's friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's such an interesting like experience to to have that and be like, whoa, maybe I'm not going to eat something that I haven't eaten before. Um, and then going into okay, actually no, this is like this is a, a legitimate. Um, I don't know if industry is the right, right word, cuisine that they take very seriously because it is raw. And it is like, I think the quality of the food is so much better than even your typical American burger. So, yeah, well, let's be honest, it has to be because it's raw fish. Uh, if it's not really good, fresh fish, you'll get food poisoning easily very easily and especially if you've just eaten sushi so there's a lot invested for sushi owners to make sure that it's absolutely fresh because you do not want to be charged with food poisoning because no one will show up at your restaurant in any way shape or form so it really is you can taste it easy you could smell if it's not okay that's the good good side of raw fish you can smell if it's not okay you don't have to taste it specifically um, but yeah, it's very, very important. And I, lo- I love that, that most of our guests have been introduced to Shishi very, very relatively uh, late in life. Uh, and they got to adore it in any way, shape or shape. Is there any other sushi that you love besides the salmon <sighs> and roll? I am, I am so basic in that way, in that front. I am the sa- salmon all the way. Put other stuff in it. Fine. Salmon all the way. Actually, I will do a tuna. I will do a tuna. I will do a veggie roll. But if I, if there's salmon, ain't nothing else going to win. 
<laughs> oh, uh, do you know, by the way, that sushi is Japanese? Yeah. Uh, but the salmon isn't. Oh, what is yeah. it? Well, that was, yeah, I know. That was my response when Woon shared it. He said, do you realize that the salmon in sushi is Norwegian? I'm like, no, no. What? <laughs> yep. That's so interesting. Yep. Huh. Now it, now my mind is a little boggled. I, uh, believe me, when I heard it for the very first time, it took me a while to, like, no, 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 no. It has to be Japanese. He said, there's no, there's no salmon in Japan. I'm like, really? So this is like, I, so basically salmon sushi is like the, like Mexican American, right? Like it's Norwegian Japanese. It's fusion. Oh my gosh. I, I don't know what to do now. I'm, I'm speechless. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, really? I don't know if I wanted to know this. <laughs> no, I feel more hip now. I, I, next time I get my sushi roll, I'm going to be like, did you know that? <laughs> Yeah, I do the exact same thing. I'm like, no, did you know that? Oh, God, that is common knowledge. Everyone knows that. Like, everyone knows that. Everyone knows that. I didn't, by the way. Uh, <laughs> everyone knows that. So um, I'm sorry I caused you stress, but as a stress expert, you might know exactly how to deal with this, don't you? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Tell us a little bit more about what you do. Oh, my gosh. So I think that we could start by why the heck I got into this work because, you know, I truly believe that this is my purpose. This is why I'm here. Um, And so I actually got into the field of stress management because of an experience I had as a child. So, um, you know, to give you guys the cliff notes, not going necessarily into the whole story, although we can, is that when I was 12 years old, my mom ended up dating a bad apple and um, that she ended up breaking it off with him. And that bad apple actually ended up a few weeks later breaking into my childhood home and killing my mom's new boyfriend and trying to kill my mom. And I tell you this because as a result of that incident, and by the way, my mom is totally fine today. So if you saw her, yeah, Thank God. everyone is holding their breath. <laughs> you can, you can do a sigh of relief, but, um, you know, as a result of that day, I really struggled for a long time. I struggled with the symptoms of PTSD. I struggled with night terrors, overwhelm, stress, anxiety. I mean, you name it, I was probably struggling with it. And for a long time, you know, I didn't tell anybody that I was struggling. Um, I think that's probably one of the most common human responses is to think that I'm going to be a burden or I'm going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. And so we don't tell anybody. Um, And when I finally got the courage to open up and to tell the people in my life what was going on, I didn't exactly tell them the whole story. I would say things like, you know, Hey, I'm kind of overwhelmed or I'm kind of struggling right now. or I'm, I'm a little stressed. And I would ask people for advice. And it was like clockwork, like, like clockwork that I would get the same five or so responses you know, Hey Carly, have you tried therapy? Have you tried meditation? Have you tried yoga? Have you tried, you know, changing your diet? Have you tried insert mainstream approach here? And the reality was, is that for me, I was so desperate for change. I was so desperate to get into that contentment or peaceful or goofy or silly or whatever beautiful state of mind that I had tried all of it. And some of it didn't work. I'm going to be real. Um, and some of it worked a little bit, but nothing ever got me over that hump where I was experiencing those beautiful states of mind. And so, you know, as a result, 
of that advice, that those mainstream approaches being shared with me over and over and over again, I struggled for 10 years. And I felt like there was something wrong with me that, I mean, these things work for everybody. Why aren't they working for me? And I felt stuck and I felt trapped. And all of this to say that after 10 years of struggle, I finally figured out the thing that works, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, but at the same time, when I figured that out, I also spent a, a year or two being pissed off and upset and being like, why isn't anybody talking about this? Why aren't we having real conversations? Because 10 years is too long. And I know I'm on the short end of the spectrum. And so, um, you know, my career, my journey into the stress management is to share that if you've tried those mainstream approaches and they're not getting you where you want to go, there are more options and we can, you know, work together to figure out what uniquely works for you so that you can enjoy life so that we could, so that you can laugh over sushi and you can have that beautiful state of mind that you're looking for. Yeah. I really love that. And, and I, I, I so resonate with how you started is that, um, and especially I think as entrepreneurs, it, may, it might be even more difficult that when we struggle, we're really thinking we've got the mindset of, I'm an entrepreneur, I should be able to do this. It's ridiculous to ask help. So we keep struggling. And before you end up, you spend 10 years or how many, how many ever years you can, whilst there is at least one person in the world, I truly believe that, that has gone through what you're going through right now and can shorten that period of time for you significantly if if you share that you're struggling and you're looking for support. But most of us, and I've, I've been through it, I mean, it took me quite a few a few years before I really thought, you know what, I'm just going to ask. And if they say yes, it's great. If they say no, I can still choose the scenario of I have to figure it out on my own. But you never know. Most of them just say yes and help you anyway. You'll find that mentor in your life. So I think it's very important to emphasize that if you, if you are listening to this episode and thinking, well, I am struggling. I'm really struggling. And, 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 and things that I've tried are not working for me, even though they're working for other people okay, I need to think differently or look for something completely different uh, to see if that will support me in a better way than mainstream. Because you can keep meditating, you can keep journaling, you can keep on yoga doing it. But if it's not resonating with who you are, then you're just putting yourself in more struggle and, and heaviness yep. uh, than, than is necessary, I think. And, and that, that's the very first part that I really resonated with in, in your story, that it is please, please, please. And I'm just as driven as you. You do not have to struggle. We struggled for you. You don't have to. So you don't, you don't have to. So please ask for help, please. And there are many more of us. You don't have to keep, uh, keep searching for just me and Carly, but that are just ask for help. So great, great part of your story. Thank you. Yeah. At the same time. Wow. Oh my yeah. God. Your mother could not be on this planet anymore. Yeah. Yeah. She was not supposed to. Um, legitimately, she was, you know, for more context there, she was shot point blank in the back of her head and in her spine and her L5 and through her arm. Um, she, you know, just the, the head shot wound in general, she was not supposed to survive. And had that not happened, the, the bullet that went through her back, she, she could have never walked again. Yeah. And so it's so wild to, to experience, to go through that, to see her go through that because, 
quite frankly, she died the night of that event and they revived her. And so that story could have ended so differently, but Mm. instead she's alive today. All she has is a slight limp and a pair of reading glasses and that's it. Wild. (laughs) Wow. I really have goosebumps as you were, as you were telling that story. I'm like, Oh my God, that is, that's profound to uh, experience as, as, as a person, whether you're young or old, it really doesn't matter. That is really powerful. What are some of the things that you've learned in your discovery journey around stress that we don't know because it's not mainstream? Okay. Yeah. Let's go there because quite frankly, we need to talk about it. It needs to be more mainstream. Um, So after 10 years of struggle, what I personally found was that creativity and art specifically was the thing that helped me uniquely get out of the fight, get out of stress and into a more beautiful state of mind. Now, after I matured a little bit, I realized that it wasn't just art that could save lives. And for everyone who's panicking, know that it's not just art that we're going to be talking about. I usually get around this time. I can barely draw a stick figure, let alone, (laughs) right? Um, But no, I more specifically, I found that this, there's this thing called creative stress reduction. And it's actually a term that I've coined in my own work. And what creative stress reduction is, is it's any activity that gets us out of fight, flight, or freeze mode and into a state of play or flow. So it can be anything. So it can be gardening. It can be going on a walk. It can be drawing if that's what you're into. It can be, um, you know, playing with your dog. It can be formatting an Excel spreadsheet. doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> as long as it achieves the goal of getting you out of fight, flight, or freeze and into that state of play or flow or yeah. rest and digest. Mode. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important because the fight, flight, and, and, and uh, freeze, state is activated by the amygdala, which is the part of the brain in the back of your head, uh, which is evolutionary, the place where our brain helps us, keeps us safe. Yep. So every time it's threatened with something that it has not registered in the operating system that's called our brain, uh, it fires off and thinks, no, 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 don't do anything because we don't know what's going to happen and I want to keep you safe. The issue is that we don't have any saber-tooth tigers uh, in the 21st century that we have to worry about or b- bears depending on where you live in the world. Um, but there are, but our brain is still responding like it's encountering a saber-toothed tiger. Yeah. So the only way we can go back there is to condition it and to practice other things. And yours is through creative, uh, creative stress relief techniques, which I absolutely love because anyone can draw. <laughs> just a little surprise. You, everyone can draw a line on a piece of paper. It doesn't have to be art. You don't have to sell it. It doesn't have to end up in a gallery. It's just for you. Yep. <laughs> so I and really... It doesn't even, and it doesn't even have to be, you know, pen and paper. It can be going on a walk and that's your version of creative stress reduction. And so that's the beauty of it is that it's all uniquely based on what works for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's really important because mainstream, uh, is usually focused on the average of the masses and we put everyone in one bucket and the average is this baseline. Well, what if you're here or you're up there and you're not the average? Then all yep. of those techniques won't help for you. Um, and and it's, it's really important to realize that, that because what I see most people thinking is, oh, but I don't look like that. But I must yep. be weird. 
this must be something wrong with me. That must, exactly. And I love that, that part where you, so where you shared, there must be something wrong with me because all of these things are not working for me. Mm-hmm. The yoga, the meditation, the whatever, that it, it's not working for me. How can that be? Because it's working for someone else. And that's exactly the reason why it's not working is because you are not that someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Really important. Oh, I love it. Creative stress reduction. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. In a little bit. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm contemplating of all the things that, that could fall under that category. Uh, can you give us an example of, of one of those professionals that came to you for whom mainstream didn't work? Yeah. So, um, one of my, one of my most recent clients, she has, uh, she has been working with her, her own mental health uh, on her own mental health journey for probably 20 plus years. She's been, um, in the past admitted to psychological hospitals for suicide attempts. She's been medicated for depression, um, and anxiety. Um, she's one of those folks that continued to show up for therapy, continued to show up with her psychiatrist, continued to try to sit down and meditate and it just wasn't working. And when she, and in addition to that, you know, would continue to um, show up in relationships in a way that just was not serving her. The relationships would be either abusive or um, just downright unhealthy for her. And so, you know, in coming to work with me, one of the first things that we did was we said, okay, what's working and what's not. Now, I, one of the things, the disclaimers that I always like to give is that I am not a replacement for therapy. I am not a replacement for um, working with a psychiatrist, but, you know, what can we add to that practice? when you're struggling with those things. Because for me, it's always a yes and. And so for her, it was, yes, you can see a therapist. Yes, you can see your psychiatrist. And let's look at what creative stress reduction techniques are going to help you get out of fight or flight. Because for her and most of us, when we get in fight or flight mode, we don't think clearly. We can, we are zooming in. We are only focusing on that one thing, probably an email, (laughs) right? And we can't see the rest of the, the, the scenario or rest, the rest of the picture. And so for her, it was the relationship piece. So a great example of how it showed up for her is her and her boyfriend a few months ago, were sitting in front of, uh, sitting on the couch in front of the TV, watching a movie, his phone buzzes, right? And he pulls up his phone and he starts texting. And immediately she goes into fight or flight mode. He's cheating. What a scumbag. What is he, who is he cheating with? Da, 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 da. She's in fight or flight mode. Now, luckily what we did is we had already pre, we went through my three-step repeatable system to figure out what works for her. And so she said, you know what, excuse me, I'm going to go step away. I'm going to implement my creative stress reduction. Her brain was still going at the moment. In the past, what she would have done is she would have immediately gone out. Yeah, right. Exactly. She would have gone after him. She would have been like, who the F are you texting? Why are you uh, during our date night? Right. It would have been a whole thing. Yeah. But instead she stepped away. And I think at that time, what she had done is for her, it was just a simple walk going on a walk around the block. Um, and what you'll learn in doing this process with me, if you ever work with me, for those of you that are listening, is that you, it's not just one activity. We have a list of activities that we can use. Um, different things work for different stress responses. We can have the more, you know, low energy stress response. We can have the anger, angry, high energy stress response. And so we have different activities that work for different things. And so for her, it was a brisk walk and she came back later that night 
Uh, he had finished watching the movie, came back and she said, Hey, who were you texting earlier? And he's like, Oh, my, my daughter wanted your lasagna recipe. <laughs> now that's, a, you know, an antidotal story, but it's so true. It's a, it's a great example of how the fight or flight response can t- take something completely and blow it out of portion. The reality was that someone just wanted her lasagna recipe. And thank goodness, right, that the creative stress reduction tool was there for her because instead of blowing up that relationship and causing the relationship harm, she was able to say, oh yeah, here's my recipe. <laughs> but let's be honest, how many times does that, does that not happen to us? We create this scenario based on hypotheses and assumptions about the worst thing that can happen. And it's not even the actual reality of the event, but it's what we, what we, the mental picture we've got in our mind and we're, we're cramming it with all of these horrible things that, that are happening in a split second. Um, that if you really were to just pause, step away and then step back and ask, you'll find out that nine out of 10 times that assumption is completely wrong. You could have mm-hmm. started something that, that didn't have to get started in any way, shape or form. Well, thank you for sharing that example. It really is important. And, and as someone who studied happiness at work and the science of happiness, I know how important it is to deal with chronic stress because stress yeah. to a certain extent is good. We need it yep. to keep moving. It's the consistent and chronic form that is depleting us and we don't have to be, it doesn't have to be this way in any way, shape or form. On that note, how big is the problem in the US? Um, So the last study that I checked before the pandemic outbreak, which I think is an important asterisk on that, um, is that the the last Gallup poll that they did was eight in 10 Americans. So 80% of Americans are struggling with stress. And we're not talking like I lost my keys and can't find them kind of stress. We're talking, you know, real stress here, real chronic stress, whether it's at work, um, in our businesses, in our families, you know, wherever it is. Yeah. Have you ever worked with entrepreneurs? All the time. (laughs) And is there a difference between how entrepreneurs experience chronic stress and professionals or employees? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's because um, there's, there's this unconscious or even conscious connection between the success of our businesses and our, our identities. And in addition to that, our purses and our, and our shelter and our food and our family's well-being, everything's so much more tied. And at the end of the day, for, especially for business owners and entrepreneurs, there's no one to point their finger at except for us. Right. And so the pressure, the chronic stress can come from the pressure of, of knowing that even Mm. if things are going well, um, oftentimes the chronic stressor can be for entrepreneurs and business owners. What if everything falls apart? Mm. And so there's that piece. And then there's, of course, you know, across the board, there's, you know, job, you know, your job pressure running your business. There's financial concerns. There's chronic health concerns that can cause, uh, stressors, um, and nutrition, things like that. But I, I find that entrepreneurs, it's, it's often like, it's often just this interweaved, tangled web of everything's interconnected. So if one thing goes wrong, it's easy to spiral into everything's going to fall apart. Yeah, I can, I can, I can understand that. Having been both an employee as now an entrepreneur is when I think back, the biggest triggers for me uh, in the workplace and then in my early career uh, were my manager, were my colleagues. 
relationships. Uh, yep. Yeah. Relationships, which is a, an, an important indicator for your happiness level, uh, uh, specifically at work. It wasn't financial because I, I was getting my salary at the end of the month. Uh, that was not a problem. And I was not afraid of losing that job. I was even prepared to lose it. If, if, if it hit, if it hit me in my core levels, I always said that to myself, if that happens, I'm going in straight leg and whatever happens happens if I lose my job because of that then I'm proud to have lost my job because that's not an environment I want to work in so it was more managers colleagues the behavior of other people yep. uh, than it was anything else and as an entrepreneur it's not I have to think about my uh, bills I have to think about making money I have to go out and marketing I, I mean I've shared it with friends who said well what's it like to be an entrepreneur now that you are uh, an entrepreneur. And I'm like, if you want to go through the biggest, most profound personal development you will ever go through, <laughs> become an entrepreneur. Yep. I, it's interesting. I think that some, for some reason, the image that came to mind when you were sharing that is, you know, uh, there is, is basically like a liter of soda, right? For an entrepreneur, for a professional, maybe you shake a, you get shaken up a little bit and, and you open it and it fizzes out a little bit, right? Those relationships, you can leave it at work for the most part, depending on your job. And, and know that I'm overgeneralizing here, but for an entrepreneur and a business owner, when something gets shaken up, it's like taking that two liter and just shaking it, maybe throw a Mentos in there and opening it up. And it, it, it's kind of exploding because it's not just that one little thing. No. And, you know, I want to share just something that, that you shared about, you know, the professional realm, because I think it applies to entrepreneurs as well, plus a, a million other things, but is that relationships are the, I believe the biggest spiritual teacher. And so, yeah. you know, that, is, you know, that's usually the conversation that I'm happy having with folks in the corporate world or working in the nine to five world versus there is the whole spiritual experience that you must go through as an entrepreneur. You will grow, you will learn and at a fast freaking pace if you're going to make it as an entrepreneur. <laughs> true. Yeah, it absolutely is true. That's why I call it the biggest personal development course there is, uh, is entrepreneurship in my mind. Uh, nothing will ever live up to that level of, of you really have to, because the only one uh, that can really change it is you, because you're the entrepreneur, you're the business owner. So you have to, well, I, I love what you do and I'm very happy that you do what you do. And uh, I hope that with this episode, we can share the message worldwide of the importance of dealing with chronic stress because we need to get rid of it. And there are ways to deal Absolutely. with it. That's even the worst part of it all. You don't have to stay in the state you're in right now uh, in any way, shape or form. But let's go back to the fun part or the crazy part of this podcast. <laughs> the question is, Carly, are you ready? Uh-oh. Yes, I'm ready. Good. That's the only right answer. <laughs> if Carly Myers were a sushi, what are the ingredients? Oh, can I just be my favorite sushi? Can I be salmon? You can be salmon? anything you would like. I want to be what I eat. <laughs> I want to be salmon and crispy. So salmon's like the calming, right? If we know about food psychology, salmon actually produces a sense of calm. So I like to think that I do that. Um, then you have the cucumber, which is the crispy, sassy part of me. And then the avocado, which is like, uh, maybe my girly feminine, like, oh my God, avocado, avocado toast. Um, and the rice, because everybody needs rice. So yeah. Okay. Perfect. And, what, and what's the form? Nigiri, maki, hand roll, poke hand bowl. Roll. Hand roll, hands on learning, hand roll all the way. 
I should have known that answer. <laughs> uh, this is you, Carly Myers. If your business, the Stress Less Company, were a sushi, what oh would it gosh. be? I feel like it would probably, we probably wouldn't know the, all of the ingredients. <laughs> like it's got a system, but it's each roll, each cut of the roll has different ingredients. So maybe one's a vegetable roll. Maybe one's a, a sushi or a salmon roll. Maybe one's eel. I don't know. I've never had eel, um, but it's either exploration. I. No, don't do it. Okay. We'll, we'll go ahead and take that one off the platter for now. Um, <laughs> But we're going to have, you know, I would say the Stressless Company is a variety role. Um, and the the foundation or the, the thing that really, you know, creates the consistency across the board is that we're all part of one big sushi role. What an analogy. <laughs> I love that. I mean, while you were talking, my brain was going, what if we take all of the answers to these questions and make a cookbook? Ooh, I'm like this. This should turn into a, a sushi cookbook or the the sushi menu of the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. Oh my gosh, I can already see the cookbook now. It's like so for the stressless company sushi roll. What you're gonna do is you're gonna do a vegetable one, a salmon one. <clears throat> then you're gonna buy all the ingredients for the eel one and throw that out, and then. You're gonna- <laughs> continue on with the rest of them <laughs> which is which is part of the creative stress reduction process that you have to go through you have to buy them and then throw them out <laughs> exactly get rid of what doesn't work what doesn't taste good get out get it out of here <laughs> oh i love that i love it carly carly as we wrap up what's the top three tips or five tips that you want to give the the people that are listening to this episode to take away absolutely so First of all, before I share these quick tips, I do have a download where you can find them. So don't worry about writing down really quickly and trying to keep up. But in order to find the creative stress reduction activity that works for you, there's a three-step process. Um, It's all in this download. And it starts with sitting down and brainstorming a list of 50 to 100 items that you love doing. And I mean 50 to 100. And then going through a series of questions to narrow down that list to say, what's unhealthy for me? What's financially accessible for me, socially um, accessible for me to be able to do? What out of these activities are actually healthy and accessible? And then from there, explore. Start getting out there. Explore those alternative ways to reduce stress um, and abandon what doesn't and continue to do what does. And I promise you, if you implement that creative stress reduction activity or activities on a regular basis, you're going to find yourself so much more content, so much more clear, and so much more ready to focus and show up in your business. Oh, I love that. And Carly, if people are listening and thinking, oh, I want that, or where can I find you? How do they get in touch with you? So you can uh, definitely find that link in the show notes. Um, And you can find me if you want to apply for a complimentary stress less clarity session. This is one-on-one, you and I, we talk about your chronic stressors, create an action plan for you to step out of it and to see how I can support you to move forward. You can visit stresslessco.com slash apply um, to you know, apply for the chance to speak one-on-one. Oh, I love that. Well, Carly, thank you for joining us on this episode. I loved having a conversation with you. 
Thank you so Uh, much for having me. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. And for those of you, thank you for listening to another episode of the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. We would love to know what has been your biggest takeaway from this conversation. Do take a moment to share this with us in our Facebook group called the Entrepreneur Sushi Club. You will find the link with the description of this episode. And if you know someone who will benefit from listening to this episode, please do share it with us. If you know another sushi adoring entrepreneur that you would love to see as a guest, let us know. We're always looking for some amazing people to interview. For now, have fun and see you on the next one.